Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott Hale. Here today, and uh, someone asked me earlier if we'll be live streaming Kanye at 11 a.m. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to get that to work or not, but but we're going to have good worship. I promise. Around 11, we'll, we'll be doing our own good worship. It'll be good. Um, but good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you are here. We're wrapping up today this vital core missional this, this identity describing series that we are in right now called co-mission co-mission we've been talking about this path of discipleship that we're all on that's the mission that we are all on and we're doing it together it's these different stages that we go through and these stages that we continually cycle back through throughout our lives as disciples of Jesus and that is that we gather we grow we give and we go. And uh, we do it all together. We kind of map it out this way right here. And uh, we do it all together. So this is important because it's a map for us as individuals. You know, we can take this home and we can sort of audit our own lives by this. And, you know, how are we doing? How, how close to this ideal that Jesus wants disciples to be walking? We can do it as individuals, but it also helps us keep us on track as a church. Everything that we do ultimately is falling into one of these four categories, and sometimes they're just a blend of them, right? But it helps keep us centered in what are we all about. I, I like the fact that I like this map for us because it also kind of helps illustrate the different um, roles that we play uh, as Christ followers, uh, you know, as citizens of the kingdom. We talk a lot about this kingdom of God that Jesus announced. As citizens, uh, that's where we reach in to each other, that in-reach we've talked about, to live in community. Uh, as students of, of scripture and of what God is doing, we reach up as we are learning. We're learning more about him, more about what his plan is for us, and we're also allowing God to grow us. That's that upreach that we talk about. As servants, this is where we reach down. The posture is this downreach. It, Jesus showed us this path of descent uh, where we love one another in humble submission to one another because love gives. We talked about this last week, right? What love does is it gives. Jesus so loved the world that he gave, and so that we serve one another, we give of ourselves in this submissive of downreach. And then as ambassadors of the kingdom, what we're talking about today is where we reach out because we are get, we have this holy calling to help liberate others, help liberate people on the world outside these walls. It's not just about us, right? It's not just about what's, you know, oh good, we're all saved, so let's just, you know, hang tight till Jesus comes. That's not what he called us to do. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, but we are ambassadors to the kingdoms of this world. And that's important for us to realize. We're ambassadors to the kingdoms of this world. So we don't just get saved and sing, I'll fly away until our last breath, right? Jesus, you know, Jesus says, I love you. Let me make you a child of God. Welcome to the family. Now leave, right? Jesus says, welcome home. Now leave. You get to go out and go into all the world. Be my body. Be my ambassadors. And so this last idea uh, this morning is what we're, we're focusing on. Uh, to talk about um, that really, I think, brings this series to a, an important point. The fact that all of this goodness that Jesus offers us, it's too good to keep to ourselves. Yeah. Amen? It's too good to keep to ourselves. It's something we don't want to... That is a, a twisted, distorted version of the faith if, if we don't include the concept of sharing it with other people. Uh, Jesus was super clear on this, that disciples make disciples. 
Disciples make disciples. It wasn't like an optional step. It's not like three out of four, you're good. Jesus gave us all four steps, right? All four make us disciples. And so we've been talking in this series about how in the Great Commission uh, over in Matthew 28, Jesus says that part of disciple making is teaching, the, teaching them, go out and teach them to obey. Not just teaching them teachings, but teach them to obey. So we're called upon to do something with what we're learning, right? To be doers of the word, taught to obey everything that he's commanded us. And so because of that, we've, we've tried over these last three weeks to, uh, to, to map out specific, practical ways that we can step into this. Every, each one of these steps, that we can walk this out in your daily life. And if you haven't had a chance to, to cap, uh, go back and hear all the sermons, if you weren't here, make sure you listen to them. They're all very important. They all fit together. And, um, and uh, I studied really hard on this. So, you know, <laughs> you, know you, wanna, you want to, don't make it, here we go. So, and, and so this is, and so it's no different with this command, right? Christ's command to go. So there's some practical steps that we're going to look at later in the message today that we can all start right away, being going disciples. Amen. Going disciples. We want to be going disciples. Let me ask you do, you, do you come to church every Sunday saying, I hope I learn something that will help me live my life differently this week? Amen. Do you? Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's what we want to be coming to church saying. God, let me learn something that will help me live my life differently this week. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to just be people who just come to church, you know, to learn facts and then feel a little bit better, and then go home and forget about it, right? right? Uh, some of us, I think, are a little too settled in our religious routine of our lives. We get a little settled, and uh, we want to change that. I hope that in this series you've been inspired to ask the question, God, how do you want me to live differently in light of what I'm learning? And that's especially true in our emphasis today, to go, to make disciples to, to not just pay someone else to do our going for us, Amen. right? Because we can kind of get in that habit too. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to pay some, you know, the paid professional person to go do the going. But each of us are called to be disciple makers, right? Amen. You're a disciple. Amen. You are. You're not just a learner. You're a disciple, and that's exciting. That's exciting. You're as much of a disciple as, as Marla Larry Johnson over there in Guatemala, right? <laughs> They're disciples who are going, you know, you're called to go too. You're called to go. We're called to go. Amen. We as a church, uh, just in our local community here, I think we've done a good job uh, over the years. We've done our best to not only disciple Christians, but to communicate the gospel to, to folks who don't know Jesus. And we've just in observing, we've noticed that we, we've uh, especially communicated, we mostly attracted people who um, might have some kind of a Christian background. Um, and they've either maybe given up on the tradition that they grew up with or just given up on uh, Christianity altogether. And so, uh, and they're experiencing Jesus here in a fresh way uh, as if for the first time. And that is so beautiful. It's so beautiful to see people who, for one reason or another, have left some tradition that just wasn't working for them or that burned them out or something like that, and they come here and they're finding healing. I think that's so beautiful to hear your personal stories of how you, you found your way here to Generations at some point, maybe at some negative experience with the religion, and God used this church to reintroduce himself to you of who he really is. That is a, that is a beautiful, beautiful moment. And some of you have been really uh, connecting with... with uh, we want to we be people who also uh, connect with people who have never been introduced to Jesus. 
We connect with people who need to be reintroduced, but we also want to do a better job at connecting with people who have no religious background at all, right? People who've been raised maybe in a completely unchurched environment or maybe uh, in, a, in a different religion altogether. And, uh, and so, you know, we can't even assume in those cases, uh, you know, just a basic understanding of biblical concepts or who Jesus is. Um, and so we're, in those cases, we're starting from scratch in a lot of ways, trying to rebuild our, our connections and explain things and, and learning how, we, how, how to do what we do. We're scrutinizing everything, how we teach, um, how we reach out, how we present ourselves and how we introduce other people to Jesus and how we can just better uh, connect with people because we we, we really want to take this seriously, Jesus' command that we should be, to, to be a disciple is to be someone who shares it with other people. Yeah. We want to take that seriously. One of our motivating factors in this is in uh, Acts chapter 1. This, this passage is so motivating to us. I want us to read this together. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 1. It'll be on the screen here. But the book of Acts is beautiful. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. It is probably the most, you can map it out and like make a really good Hollywood movie out of the book of Acts, right? It just has like a beginning of, you know, a great climax and then, you know, an end. And it's just so amazing. And it tells, the book of Acts tells the, uh, the story of the early church, the birth of the early church. It's such a, a beautiful story. But if it was a movie, it's interesting because chapter one is kind of like that preamble scene that comes before the title, right? It, Acts chapter one opens actually with the final scene of Jesus on the earth, his last moments of Jesus on the earth. And it opens with that. And it tells us the story of uh, before he ascends, it's the resurrected Jesus. Before he ascends and goes back to be with the Father, he hangs out with the disciples for 40 days, teaching them intensely. I mean, can you imagine what that is like? He's been walking around with them for, for years, you know, doing miracles, teaching, and they've been watching and observing, walking in his dust and all this kind of... But now, here's the resurrected Jesus, Okay, he's got like holes in his body where they murdered him. And they're sitting around the campfire just like this. And, he, you know, he's there, flesh and blood, but he also like walks through walls. This is, this is wild Jesus, right? This like Jesus in a glorified body. And they get to spend 40 days like this intensive campfire retreat with resurrected Jesus. I would have a hard time just concentrating on anything he even said. I would just be like, Whoa, you know, I mean, I just, I don't know if we can really get and what that would be like. And hanging out with 40 days after he's risen from the dead. In verse 3, chapter 1 of, of Acts, it says that during these 40 days, he taught them about one specific thing. And he talked about it over this topic, over and over and over again, this thing that he's driving home. And what's that topic he says he's talking about? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And this is a really special time, right? He's not even really, you know, he's not having the big crowds of thousands on the hillside. This is really the, the folks who are in, the folks who are going to be carrying this and starting the church, his, his, the, the men and women who, who were following him. And, and it says throughout these chapters that there were different, different numbers of them at different times, but, but he's talking about this kingdom. It's what he taught for three years during his ministry through parables and all kinds of different things. But now he's driving it home before he ascends to heaven for good. So this is very important to, to Jesus. Whatever he's saying here, we just like to be paying close attention to, right? It's very important. We've talked about it. This, the kingdom of God, it's this way of saying that there is this whole new way for us to live here. It's not just about the kingdom of heaven where we go, like, you know, in the sweet by and by when we die. 
The kingdom of God is taught by Jesus. It's this new way of living that begins right now, and it will stretch on into eternity, but it begins now. It's a whole new allegiance. It's a connection to a king, and not an earthly king. And it's a place, the kingdom of heaven, we've talked about this, it's like a realm that we walk in over which Jesus is king, and his will and his power reigns in our life. Where the way of Jesus is our guiding factor, the kingdom of God. And, and that unites us as the church as kingdom citizens, right? We, we are all kingdom citizens. We are all, and, and, and then on top of that, we get to share that message with other people as kingdom ambassadors. Like we were talking about those different roles that we play. We get to be ambassadors on behalf of our king. And that is our primary allegiance. And so our earthly allegiances to whatever group we did belong to, we might have identified with before, whether it's you know, our, our nationality or our ethnicity or socioeconomic status or whatever that is, you know, all that, the people like me, uh, all that starts to dissolve. It starts to get broken down in the kingdom of God because now we're building new allegiances to people that we have Jesus in common. Even when we have like other things not in common at all. But we have Jesus in common, and that becomes our primary unifying factor. And we, there's this unifying work of the Holy Spirit that, that within us that unites us as family, because that's the only way it's possible, through the Holy Spirit that unites us as family with people who are very different from us in external ways or backgrounds or whatever it is. And we start to celebrate the fact that we're family. It's not, just, it's not a liability, yeah, we're different, but no, it's because we're different. It, that becomes one of, that's like a weapon in our arsenal, that we are together, that God is unifying us. And, and the, 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 the scriptures even tell us that the world will know us by our love. They'll be able to recognize, ooh, that's when, you know, they wouldn't use this word, but that's one of them kingdom people. That's one of them kingdom ambassadors. They belong to a different, different group of people, right? Because look how different they are, and yet they love. They're unified. What is going on there? And we celebrate that we're family. But it's that power of the Holy Spirit. It's a sociological miracle that takes place in, in the kingdom. The vision of it is, is just beautiful. And this is what Jesus is teaching them over and over and over. So he's teaching about the kingdom, how we leave these things behind. We become ambassadors of the kingdom. And then look at verse 6. We see the disciples. Their first question after he's been talking to them about the kingdom, this 40-day intensive on the kingdom of God with resurrected Jesus. Verse 6, they say, so, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and here is where the Greek author, author inserts a, a facepalm emoji right here, right? Uh, Jesus has been teaching them the kingdom of God for three years, dies, rises again. And then they get this cool 40-day intensive, and the disciples listen to all this and go, okay, cool, cool, cool. Now, how about Israel? How about the Old Covenant? Like, when are we going to rise to power again? Right? When are we going to get back to the old? What, what, what brings our nation back to power? When does our ethnicity and our religion, when does it, you know, rise to prominence? Does that happen now? They still haven't got eyes to see. They still haven't got eyes to see. And this is Jesus himself teaching them for three years and 40 days. 24-7 training, and they don't get it. Do you ever feel like you've explained something to somebody over and over again, and they just don't get it? Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I mean, you, you, 
Jesus has died for the sins of the world here. Risen from the grave. He's walked through walls. He's cooked them fish on a beach. I mean, he's appearing out of nowhere and coming in and out. He's letting them feel the, the holes in his hands, and they still don't get it. It takes, do you know what it takes? The Holy Ghost. It takes the Holy Spirit who comes in chapter 2, after the titles of the movie have come on, right? The birth of the church. Da, 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 da. After they ask their stupid question, da, 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 we get the, the title. Then we get to chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes and empowers them in a fresh way, and they have eyes to see. And even then, they have a lot of learning to do. As you read through the next chapters and some of the stories that happen after that, there's a lot of still wrestling and learning, and they argue with each other. What does this mean? How do we, you know, before they're like, oh, you mean really, really we leave behind the kingdoms of this world? Oh, you know, they, they keep getting a little bit into the kingdom of God, but st sticking in there. And it takes them a while, right? Do you know why? Because it is tough to unlearn religion. It is easier for a man to become a woman in this world than to unlearn your religion. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit makes it real. The Holy Spirit's the only thing that makes it possible. It's the same way with us. We come to Jesus as sinners. All of us. We come, these broken vessels, and we come to Jesus and he cleanses us. He raises our spirits from dead to life, right? He gives us new purpose. He does this for us. But my brain is still the same carbon-based blob that it was yesterday, before I got saved. Right? My synapses are all still there. I still got all my old dumb ideas, all my prejudices, I've got all of that, right? My assumptions, my bad ideas that I had the day before. And so salvation is not the end of things. We have to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit to grow. It's why Jesus said, don't just come and join my religion. I'm going to leave you somebody. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit because you're going to need this. He didn't just come to like get people to buy into his ideas. We need the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. We believe there's always more of the Spirit, right? It didn't, it didn't end in the Bible. The Holy Spirit didn't do his work in the Bible and then leave. He's still here. He's still moving, right? And for, he's still here for all of us to experience. That's why church is not just this academic Bible study group. That's not all church is. Academic Bible studies are great. I love them. But that's not all it is. We believe that we are people who are gathered together to experience more of God's Spirit so that we can become more like Jesus. Amen. That's, the, that's the point. All of this is so that we can become more like Jesus. And we help each other do that. We do that together. Amen. I need you to help me become more like Jesus. And you need me. And we need each other. We want to become more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is what unites us to do that. So Jesus goes on to teach them in uh, this sort of, they're, they're backtracking a little bit, you know, to the kingdom of God. And Jesus says this in verse 7. He says, it is, listen, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, Jesus is saying, we're moving on. Stop asking these questions. He doesn't even give them an answer to this, right? He says, but, in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses throughout the earth. You will be my witnesses throughout the earth. My witnesses. You will not go and receive power to become ambassadors for Israel. You're going to be ambassadors for me, my kingdom. 
but. He's, he, that's the big, the big word here. It's the big but here. He said, I, I understand you still want to you know, think about your own in-group, whatever that may be, your own religious tradition. When will our team you know, beat the other team? When are we going to win the geopolitical sweepstakes? You know, when, are, when is that going to happen? And Jesus says, I'm giving you a but to begin this response because we're not talking about that. I'm contrasting this with a new way of thinking. He says, but you will receive power. And that word for power you see right there is that, this Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. What, what English word do you think we get from that? Dynamite, dynamite right? Yes. It's explosive. Dunamis. You're going to re- receive dunamis, dynamite power. It's a real power that's, that's unleashed with a, a kaboom, and the Holy Spirit is, is going to light the fuse. He brings a power that explodes and demolishes the old paradigms that the disciples are still holding on to. I love the story of, uh, in, the ancient, uh, in the ancient days, in ancient Europe, uh, when Christianity was starting to spread, it got to the, the, the uh, British Isles, and it got to where the Celts lived in Ireland. And there's this beautiful tradition they had back then. When they first encountered the gospel, those first Catholic missionaries came and brought them the gospel. They, were, they like really took to it. These crazy Celts. I don't know if you know anything about the Celts. They like painted themselves all blue and cool stuff like that. And they were wild. And they took to, to this gospel. But their whole idea of the Holy Spirit, they, they didn't so much view the Holy Spirit like, you know, we think of the Holy Spirit as this sweet little dove that just sort of alights on us and he's peaceful and the sweet Holy Spirit, he's smoke, you know, and we, we chant and things like that. No, they thought of the Holy Spirit in terms, they looked at what the Holy Spirit was doing among them. He was very disruptive. He was wild. He was noisy. And they called him the wild goose. He wasn't the peaceful dove. He was the wild goose. And you ever seen wild geese as they're flying? They're loud. They're honking. And if you get one loose in your room, it'll destroy your house, right? And so that's, what, that's the way they thought of the Holy Spirit, the wild goose. And they would talk about that as the wild goose unleashed inside of us. I just love that. That's so cool. That is so cool. So the Holy Spirit does that. He comes, he brings this explosive power, dunamis. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes. So there's always more of the Holy Spirit for us to experience, to be transformed by. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, we're a charismatic church, so we witness this. We're open to these things. We're, there's different kinds of gifts and experiences that we can have. But Jesus right here, I think is beautiful. He identifies the first primary manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that we fall in love with Jesus and we want to tell others about him. This is the first experience, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is we fall in love with Jesus. We want to share it with other people. The first primary manifestation of his coming, we become gaga for Jesus and we want to tell others about it. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have this power, right? And we're like, what kind of power? Am I going to shoot like laser beams from my fingertips? Right? What kind of power am I going to get? This is awesome. What is he going to give me? He says, you're going to fall in love with Jesus. You're going to be gaga for Jesus, and you're going to want to tell everybody about him. That is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit primary, the primary one. He says, and you'll be my witnesses. Witnesses. That's a beautiful word. I love this. I'm so glad he said he used this word. In the Greek, this is exactly the word that we would use for witness, especially like in the court of law to be a witness. The wonderful thing about being a witness is that a witness just 
has to witness. You just have to witness. A witness is someone who bears witness to something that they have seen happen, that they have experienced. That's what a witness does. A witness in a court of law, thankfully, does not bear the weight of having to argue the entire case. They don't ask the witness on the stand to prove for the prosecution or prove for the defense. They just tell what they saw. Here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced. Jesus doesn't say, you, you will go and you will be my lawyers for the prosecution or the lawyers for the defense. You will be the judge or the jury and you've got to have it all figured out. No, a witness goes on the stand and says, here's what I know. Here's my part in the case. Uh, I know this much. And if someone says, yeah, but you know, what about, what about the witness gets to go, I don't know. I don't know that part, but I'm just giving you what I know. Here's what I've witnessed Jesus do. Isn't that great? That takes the pressure off of us. You don't have to convince anyone of anything. You don't have to win an argument. You just got to share out of your own experience. Now, what that is presupposing is that you are having an experience, that you have had something to talk about, that you can talk not just things you've learned in church or you heard someone talk about their experience. We're to be having our own experience. So you can say, I've seen as an eyewitness, I've seen this, and it began to change my life. That means you've got to go out and tell so you can have the experience and see God move. It's not just something that I've heard about. It's something that I've seen him do. It's something happened to me, and you share from your own experience. And that's very freeing, because I know this can be intimidating. It is. It is, yeah. You don't have to win every argument, though. You don't have to solve every riddle. You just share from your own experience what Jesus is doing in you, and hopefully you're having that experience. Now, you notice in a court of law, sometimes there are uh, what they call expert witnesses. Have you seen those? And I get that. There are witnesses who, who are called up to not just share from their own testimony uh, of something they've seen. They're sharing from their vast knowledge of a particular subject. Uh, some topic. And, and, and we do have expert witnesses in the church and praise God for them, right? Those are the leaders, the scholars, the apologists who they've, they've dedicated their lives to becoming experts on the topic of Jesus in some way, right? And they can advocate for us. Sometimes they're out there advocating for us and we can learn from them. I love to listen to them. And some of you are wired that way. You know, I've met you and you, you're wired that way. You, you love that. You, you want to do the extra study and read the articles and, that are published you know, online or in books. And, and you, you want to read those books that give credence and evidence. And so you can enter into the dialogue and, and grow sharp through debate and things like that. And that's wonderful. If you're wired that way, run with it, right? That's a gift. And I'm grateful for those folks. But the rest of you, the rest of you don't have to feel the pressure of being an expert witness. Right. You can just be an eyewitness. We're called to be an eyewitness. And even those of you who are called to be expert witnesses, your primary calling is to be an eyewitness. What is God doing in your life? What have you seen him do? How have you seen him move through other people? What miraculous thing has he done? What are you seeing around you? Here's what I know what Jesus is doing in my life. And when someone asks you a question that you can't answer, which was going to, it's definitely going to happen if you're out there doing this, you say, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, you're allowed to say that. 
We don't have to go, it's all crumbling. No. I knew this would happen. No, you say, it's a great question. I say that about every Sunday morning out there by the back door. Great question. I'm going to go check that out and research that, right? Because you guys got great questions. That's awesome. You say, I don't know. But one thing I do know, and you come back to your testimony, you share what you know, right? And when you get that great question, it's got you thinking, you can go, I'm going to do some more research. That's really good. I'm going to do some more research. I'm going to go ask, you know, Pastor Scott back there by the door. And when neither of us can figure it out, we'll go ask Melissa or Pastor Albert, right? Because those two know it all. I'm just telling you, just... You, they do. If you're asked a question you don't know, treat it as an opportunity. That's a blessing. You dive in, you go look for an answer, right? Uh, I think of that as debriefing. Sometimes debriefing after an evangelistic encounter is, is awesome. It's, an, it's a wonderful part of your own growth as a disciple. You should be constantly doing this. And, uh, and, and as you share the gospel with other people, and it ends up building you. You're, you're growing because you're not just going around just solving everybody's problems and telling, giving them all the answers. You're sharing your eyewitness testimony, right? And there may be questions you've never would have even explored if you hadn't been asked, if you hadn't gone out, stepped out in faith and shared. And sometimes those questions are like, I've never even thought of that. Those are great, great <laughs> opportunities but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. And he says in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We've talked about this before. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us an outward moving focus. And that happens when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on us. He, he makes us think outside of ourselves. He does something to our brain, right? He really does. Uh, these, we, we, you know, we've talked about these concentric circles of relationship that we all have. You have the people that are just super close to you, then you have the extended circle, and then the people that you just come in contact with all the time. And then he tells us that to the ends of the earth, that's the people you don't yet know. And all of these, we're called by Christ not to pick and choose which of these groups we will focus our outreach on, but we are to make disciples throughout all the degrees of relationship in our life all the degrees. We're all called to minister to those who are closest to us, those who, you know, we see weekly, those who we see annually, <laughs> and those we've never met yet. We are all called to all those degrees of relationship. So here is the million-dollar question. Do you really want to be a disciple? Amen. Do you really want to be a disciple? Are you ready to Lay aside your agenda, your pride, your fears, your comfort, your comfort to be a witness for Christ. Are you willing to be a disciple who makes disciples? In other words, are you willing to be a disciple? Not, and let me say this too, because I know, I know if you're like me, because you know, those who know me know, I, you know, I'm kind of an introvert actually at heart. This is all like stretching me. The easiest thing is to say, I'm going to witness by living well. We love that, right? Thank you, Lord. That's my calling to live well. 
That's great. We should live well. We should live as if people are watching us all the time, 24-7. We should, because we're reflecting Jesus, and they should be seeing us. They should see our love, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? There's, there's a danger. If you're just witnessing by living well, there is a danger, actually, that other people will get the false impression that that's all it takes to join the Christian religion, is live well, right? They see you living well. They find out you're a Christian. They think, apparently, that's all you got to do. Cool. I guess I'm a Christian, too right? Because I'm doing okay. I'm nice to people, right? Unsaved people are nice to people. Yeah. So it goes beyond that. What it requires, what we're really asking is if you want to do this, what we're really asking is, are you willing to let the Holy Spirit move in you? Are you willing to let that wild goose loose? Because he will disrupt you. He will mess up your room. He honks loud right? He's not always safe. He's not always peaceful. We say he brings, you know, peace to to the discomforted, and he brings comfort to the discomforted, but he disrupts those who are too comfortable. He does. We need the Holy Spirit. He's the one who will empower you to do this. It's not just a matter, listen, oh, please hear this. Don't just hear this is I'm up here like trying to get you to eat paleo. <laughs> oh, this is going to take willpower. I can't do this. I can't eat that. I can't. I'm not, it's not about willpower. It's about Holy Spirit power. You've got to be filled with the Spirit or you can't do this, right? Or the gospel you preach will be something wrong. It'll be some other gospel. We don't want you trying to do this under your own willpower. You have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, Right? This is an invitation to start really walking in the kingdom, uh, to, to not just think of yourself as a future resident of heaven, to not be a saved and satisfied child of God, to be an ambassador, an ambassador of his kingdom to this world, an ambassador of his kingdom to this world, which is really what your purpose on the planet is. That is why we are still all breathing this morning. Otherwise, why are we here? Right? Right? Let's just get to heaven and be done with it. We have a purpose. Because you're just here for a blink, right? Humans, we've been here for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. You, your life, my life is a blink. It has a purpose, though. We have a purpose. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't pray, Lord, take us as fast as you can. He said, your kingdom come. This is where the action is happening, right here. And we have the honor and the privilege of spreading the kingdom of heaven, enlarging its borders with every step we take. We get to enlarge the borders of the kingdom of heaven all around us and to the people we come in contact with. Otherwise, why are we here? We're just living and working and wasting our money so we can die. We have a purpose The good news, it's not just good news for you, it's not just good news for me, it's good news for the whole planet, and we get to share it. It's this amazing privilege, this awesome, priceless privilege that we have been given, telling other people that Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel in three words. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. You get to tell them that their fears, that their their sicknesses, their hurts, their cravings, their sins, their guilt don't have the final word in their life. That's good news. Because Jesus saves, he rescues, he liberates, right? 
You know, we, we read about a, a bunch of miracles in the New Testament. They're awesome. They're exciting. Uh, but do you know what the very first miracle that I see here in the early church was? The first miracle is that God took a bunch of people who were inward focused, nationalistically concerned, divisive, all concerned about their own religious tradition, and he turned them inside out so that they cared about other people. That was a miracle. So they, they cared about other people, wanted to share, wanted other people to share in the kingdom of God. He wants to do that miracle in us today. He wants to do it here. He, the book of Acts can be right, it can come alive right here, right now. Right here, right now. And it, it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with what's in your heart. It starts with breaking out of, of this religious mold of, of coming to church and saying, I listen, I nod, I go home, I forget, repeat. I come to church, listen, nod, go home, forget. Right? And do it again. What am I, it's, it's saying, what am I going to do this week different what am I going to do different? Who am I going to talk to about Jesus? So, so do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Okay. Every week we're making it super practical. So here's my goal. Here's my goal. In that five minutes from now, you'll not be able to say, that sounds great, but I don't really know what my next step is. Um, I don't know what to do about it. In five minutes, I'm going to remove that excuse from you. This is your last chance to run. <laughs> All right, we're still here. Here we go. Here's some suggestions. Not being legalistic, just some suggestions for start having, how to start having better gospel conversations with people around you, okay? Number one, pray that God would fill you with the Father's love for people and the power of the Holy Spirit, his power, his anointing to witness, his boldness, that dunamis. Pray that God would fill you with the Father's love and the Spirit's power. Remember, love gives. For God so loved the world, he gave. That's what love does. If he fills you with love, you're going to find yourself giving. Just warning you now. You're going to give. And we see God's heart so clearly in his sacrifice on that cross right there. Meditate. I love Paul's words in the Romans where he actually says he would rather himself be cut off from Christ than to see his neighbors miss out on the kingdom. I mean, that's love. If your heart has become so hardened that you no longer care that your neighbor is estranged from Christ, repent. Just repent of that. Pray that God would give you a powerful love for people who do not know him. Love is what casts out fear. It's not willpower. It's not willpower. It's love casts out fear. Love creates boldness. And then we pray for that wild goose Holy Spirit to, that filled the early church with power to witness, to fill you up every day, empower you to proclaim the gospel. The gospel. Amen. All right, number two, know what the good news gospel actually is. Make sure you know what this gospel actually is. We want to make sure you know what it is before you go proclaim the gospel. What's the best way to articulate the gospel? There's a lot of different ways people have talked about the gospel and articulate. They're all good. I love to look at how the first Christians announced it. To me, that's really interesting. When you go into the New Testament and see what did they actually say to people? How did they proclaim the good news? How did Jesus proclaim the good news, right? 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? I am here to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. So here's the way I, I, I put this. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to earth, starts right there, to reveal that the God of the universe is actually a God of love and that he has totally forgiven us. All we have to do is receive it. He's totally forgiven us. And he invites us into this intimate relationship with the Father that starts right now and lasts throughout eternity. Right? Jesus Christ came to earth to reveal that the God of the universe is actually a God of love, that he's totally forgiven us, and he invites us into a relationship with him. It starts right now, and it lasts forever. That is good news. Amen? That's good news. Notice how this doesn't start. Good news! You're a dirty, rotten sinner, and you're going to hell. <laughs> right? We always feel like we've got to start the good news with the bad news. I understand, I understand. You're trying to get into the whole story. You want to tell the whole story. You know, they don't do this in the New Testament. It's interesting. I'm just reporting. They didn't come on the scene and say, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. You're going to hell. They said, good news. Jesus, Jesus saves. Jesus has come to liberate you from everything that has you in your chains, right? Yeah, that includes your sins, your cravings, all the things you can't seem to get out of yourself to stop. He saves, he does. You don't have, here's an interesting thing for us to remember. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the other jobs of the Holy Spirit, as well as empowering you, giving you that boldness, what else does the Holy Spirit do? He convicts. He, he has several roles. And one of his jobs is to convict. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one who goes into the world to unsaved people and convicts them. He, he woos us. He draws us. If, you, if you've ever come to Christ, if you ever made that decision, it's because the Holy Spirit drew you. He, he always points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, in all of his awesome bells and whistles, he's always pointing to Jesus. And he's convicting us and he's pulling us towards Jesus. So that means we don't have to prove to folks that they're sinners. If they're like, I'm not a sinner. You don't got to prove the case, right? That's the convicting job of the Holy Spirit. It's not our job to prove the case for the bad news before we present the good news. The Holy Spirit, if he is wooing them, if he is doing what he does, they are already going to feel convicted. They're already going to be open to repentance. They're going to be hungry, right? And if they're not, you just share the good news and you pray for the Holy Spirit to keep working on them, right? Okay. Number three, become spiritually and genuinely curious about other people. Yeah. Become curious about other people. One of the best ways I've found to have any kind of spiritual conversation with folks is to start by asking a lot of questions. Because people open up when they realize that you care about them, that they are not just a project, they are a person, right? So you want to honor people. You want to learn from them. If you're not spiritually curious, people just become projects. And, you know, you're just like, well, I'm just asking these questions so that I can get to the thing that I really want to tell you. We want to be genuinely curious about what other people believe. Let me tell you this. The most exciting idea on the planet is Jesus. He's the most exciting idea on the planet. Uh, I find the second most exciting idea to be what do other people believe? 
I find it fascinating. I'm genuinely curious, uh, including people who say, I don't believe in anything. I don't, think, I don't think about that at all. I find that fascinating. I'm like, you don't believe anything? Are you serious? I can't go a day without thinking about this stuff, right? You don't believe anything about the nature of the universe? That's amazing to me. How do you go through your day not believing anything about the universe? I, I mean, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just generally curious, right? You may have heard a rumor, because we don't talk about it much, but there's a rumor going around that I like tacos. <laughs> and it turns out it's true. It's true. I love all things tacos. Uh, it's just, we were talking about, I, you know, I can't stop talking about it. We were talking about it right before church, right? With Sharon. Uh, it's the perfect food delivery device. And it's just beautiful. I love it all. I love fajitas and the carnitas and everything. And my wife and I are trying to eat more vegan lately. So I even love like the tofu in there. And there. we're getting, you know, it's just, it's good. It's good. And, um, and so, you know, that's, to me, that's the most exciting food on the planet is a taco. And the, the second most interesting thing to me would be someone who says, nah, not into tacos. What? I want to know what's going on in your brain. I'm genuinely curious. How do you, how does that happen? Um, okay. That's a shallow example, but yeah. So if, if you find yourself, if you, if you find, well, actually, you know, when I'm being honest with myself, I'm not really that curious about what other people think. Um, that's a great place to start to pray. And pray for the Holy Spirit to absolutely make you fascinated with other human beings. He can make you fascinated. That's a part of love, is really listening. Really wanting to know. Not just get done with your talking so I can tell you about God. No, learn. Let them, let them teach you about themselves. And then the last thing you can do is simply this. Invite people to church. For a lot of people, this is the easiest one. So we put it at the end because it shouldn't be the only one. But invite people to church. You just say, here's my, here's my church. This is why I love it. I'd love for you to come, right? And if they say, you know, you don't have to like prove your case, right? Again, you're an eyewitness. If they're like, why do you like church? You just go, I, I can't explain it. You know, when I, get, when I go to that place and I get together with these other imperfect people and we all get together with all of our flaws, we get together. There's just something about getting in that gathering that just helps me become more like Jesus. I just grow inside. It breaks things down inside me, helps me be more like Jesus. Over the next couple of weeks, you're going to get to hear uh, next week and then a week after that from two uh, different powerful, wise women in our church. My wife, Melissa, is going to be preaching next week. It's going to be awesome. And the week after that, Debbie Fink is going to be preaching, which is going to be amazing. Um, and I'm so excited to hear what God's going to speak to us through these two anointed voices. And then after that, uh, we're going to, we'll be starting, when we get into December, we'll be starting our, our series, a next series called Raising Hallelujah. It's going to take us through the Advent season and Christmas. And, uh, It'll be such a great opportunity. It's going to be so good for all of your neighbors, all of your unchurched friends, um, and anybody who needs a word of life this season. I'm telling you what, maybe you've got a friend who gets depressed by the Christ Christmas holidays, right? Maybe that's you. Maybe there's something about it just uh, just gets you down. Everybody else is happy and you're down. Or maybe you're just somebody or you, your friend you talk to at work or something, and they're just overwhelmed by all the hurry and the chaos of the season. And they might be saying to you, I just need, I just need to focus. I need to get recentered somehow. And you can say, there's something coming up in my church. And I think it could really help both of us 
to see this season from a fresh Jesus perspective. Just tell, invite, tell and invite. So I want to encourage us all in this. Um, I know sharing the gospel can seem intimidating for some of you, but I, I promise as you do it, as you walk in it, what actually happens is you find the joy. There is a joy that you can't experience any other way because you're actually working with the Spirit inside you. You're working with the Holy Spirit, what He's wanting to do, rather than working against God, which creates conflict and all that kind of feeling. You're working with the Holy Spirit, and it is a wild ride. So I want to pray for God's love to flow in us, love for other people, to be, that love to be our love for other people. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to fall on us in fresh ways, with, with fresh boldness, that dunamis power, so that we can become fully alive, fully functional disciples who gather and grow and give and go. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. Praise you, Father God. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. Lord, we pray. We invite you to fill us, to empower us, to change us. Spirit of God, we want to work with you and not against you in your will for our lives. We want to see miracles take place beginning with our own hearts. I pray, Lord God, that every person in this room, that we would not see ourselves just as passive bystanders or just students in church, but as ambassadors on behalf of the kingdom of of Jesus Christ. Fill us, Lord, with your love so it overflows out of us and toward other people. I pray, Lord, this will change us change how we even attend church, how we listen to sermons, and then how we go and how we apply what we've learned. Spirit of God, change us, I pray. Fall fresh. Fill us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.